stingy or dusty Anything ragged or rotten or rusty Yes, I love trash If you really want to see something trashy, look at this Throw it in the trash Throw it in the trash Hey, Jason This is MMD here With an entirely new idea for the garbage cast. Now, I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen. I'm just going to send you these files in numerical order. So when you get these, make sure to keep them in sequence. Um, don't change them because I thought about it. Okay, let me let me give you a peek behind the curtain audience. I uh, we've been having a little bit of issues recording the garbage cast. As everyone is well aware, uh, Jason has stepped back a little bit from podcasting and has um, kind of re-diverted his efforts into other projects. So those working on these projects have had to kind of reevaluate along with him and that's fair. Uh, so the way that this works without getting too far off on a sidetrack is he sends me a file and then I record based on that idea. Now, the way I, I've set this up is that while I generally don't give the topics, I let him decide it, but I try to always use whatever he's given me. Um, I feel like I have some sort of obligation or artistic style requirement that makes it imperative that I take the file that he gives me and base my stuff around it, even if I go in another direction. So, that's the tangent. That being said, this week, we are, for the past week, week and a half, two weeks, we've had, I've had this uh, clip on night shifts that I've needed to record but I'm not just, uh, I'm just not feeling night shifts. I mean, yes, I did work a night shift. Um, so I guess this will be the intro of this idea. So this will be recording number one, where I give the premise. What we're gonna do here, and I'm gonna talk about night shifts in this intro number one recording. Um, it's gonna be a choose your own adventure podcast, Jason. So I'm going to talk about a bunch of topics. It'll be up to you to pick one and go from there. So for example, in this episode, in this clip, I'm going to talk about night shifts. Now you've already recorded something for this. So if you do to choose, uh, if you do choose to use night shifts, let me know and I will just attach night shifts 
behind this segment. If you choose another one, let me know and I will attach clip number one, the intro, as well as the next clip and your clip. So they'll get two topics for the price of one. Now, night shifts is pretty simple. I've only really had one night shift job. I worked at the RCSS, Royal Canadian Superstore, uh, nights from like February till about the end of May, uh, the three week, the three month probationary period. I basically came in like 11.30, uh, 11 o'clock, depending on, and worked from 7.30, or to 7.15 if you, if you worked at 11.30. Um, and you were basically on a rotation based on hours. You'd get in there, punch in, then you'd walk to the back, try to secure yourself a pallet jack, if possible. If not possible, you had to um, go and team up with somebody. So the first half of the day, and this is why I had trouble recording it. I tried to record it at the actual Superstore. Uh, the first time I got rained out, and then other times, um, I just wasn't feeling it. I was My heart wasn't in making the recordings. So it was just boring. And this topic is kind of boring because that's what the job was. I would come in that first, up until about two-ish if we could get it done quickly we would be spreading products all around the store just kind of throwing them down I worked aisle number four which was baking aisle and sauces and salad dressings find it so there was always a shit ton of shit it was flour it was chocolate chips it was nuts it was salad dressings, sauces your barbecue sauces, your grilling sauces, your marinades, your just your spices, cumin, salt, pepper, all that shit, fucking oregano. It was all in that aisle. And I'm not good with your 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 fine motor skills. So when it came to um, bottles fucking I just broke them all trying to get them to stack because you had to do facing as well that was from so from two o'clock you would work on one aisle together facing up one aisle which means making them all neat and looking nice as one solid wall one sexy solid wall yeah the manager was obsessed with making it sexy not the night manager the head manager um, we had an inspection and we had the stock the investment day, right? Um, they were doing the stock prices, so they came in and they did an inspection. They were talking about it, and they did a new planogram, and they got a new manager from fuck knows where and Mavis, and he was always on my ass about making sure because after you faced that aisle, you went into your own aisle, and you had to deal with all the product that was there. Now I had sugar, as I said, I had salt. So there was fucking everything gone constantly. I mean, the new thing that we had 
on constant run was uh, McChicken sauces. They unveiled those in, in, in Canada, so we couldn't get enough McChicken fish fillet. Actually, fish fillet was the one that just was fucking gangbusters. It was just completely sold out constantly. And it was like six rows. There was a tag for each thing. It told you how many products should be in the front. Like face six, face four, face one, face two. The product, UPC, the milliliter sizing, how many is per in the bottle or whatever it was. And um, whether or not it should be ordered again or not. So you looked at the tag followed it. Of course, everyone just kind of fucking fit everything as they wanted. Day crew, the people that came in to help with the store inspection from other stores, everybody was just kind of doing whatever. So, when I was lucky, I got Pet Isle. Pet Isle was simple. Dog and cats. You just look at the thing and you put it down. Friskas, cat, done. Oh, it's a dog done. It's a bag finished. Far less complex. A lot less little things to fall over when you're facing. And then you were hopefully finished and you had your aisle clear of all the garbage and anything else that you couldn't fit down or anything that was overstock. And you put it on either a cart to be worked if you didn't finish which is why I ultimately got fired, or you had them on a skid if they were overstock, and then that would be tagged with a license plate of when it would work, and then shoved in the back of the warehouse and eventually put up. Now those inspections, they wanted to see the warehouse, so they were constantly working the overstock. So you had 15 fucking boxes of one thing, bacon bits for example. And you didn't have anywhere to fucking put them because they were probably part of a promo that ultimately, you know, was done. So you had all this stuff. You're constantly just going through stuff, unwrapping stuff, putting stuff. And it got to be tiring. And ultimately I was glad I was fired. And you just worked until 7... 15 or 7.30 when you were punching out and you hoped to be finished and if you were finished early you helped others so when I was lucky I had people coming in to help me or I was in an aisle that kind of just didn't really need that much and that my friend is the night shift you worked up until the morning and then you got to go and sleep or in my case go uh take the dogs in the backyard and then either go work my other job or uh, with the family business or just sleep for a little bit and then go because um, I have to go and get those Kijiji ads going and now I'm working on the website and taxes and there's a lot of stuff doesn't sound like much there's a lot of stuff I'm always just doing and that's part of owning your own business but yes, that is night shifts. So, hopefully, you know exactly what to do. 
So this has been the intro slash night shift episode of the Choose Your Own Adventure version of the Garbage Cast. I've been your host, the MMD, at the Powerade Center with Till Dog rolling around on the grass, maybe getting Lyme disease. Who knows? Maybe that's another topic that I will record. You will find out in a bit. All right. Catch you later, Jason. Another one is in the can. Dump it. Let's go.
Hey, MMD, this is Jason with another Garbage Cast Conversation as I pull out of the driveway at 4 o'clock in the morning to head to the office. A rare visit to the local office uh, to uh, watch a procedure being done, a warehouse procedure for blah, documentation, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's not the point of this. The point of this is to talk about a different subject this week, a subject I know that you have some familiarity with and that I certainly have. Uh, from my past, some familiarity with. It doesn't count for this trip, this 4 a.m. trip. This 4 a.m. trip is really too late to uh, really count. Even though this is um, this is a bit earlier than I typically than I typically am up and about. I normally start my work day around 6 a.m. and I don't have a commute because I work at home. I don't really go anywhere. It's a different world out here this time of night, though. I'm passing a local little restaurant, and I see cars out there. I guess that's the workers. The place is not open yet. In fact, I have not encountered another car as I'm heading to the interstate so far. Uh, but over here to the left, there is a warehouse. It's a uh, food warehouse. Performance Food Group. They have a parking lot full. You can see all the lights. Oh, I see people walking around the trucks. They are on the night shift. That is the subject of today's Garbage Cast Conversation the night shift. It is, uh, as, as I said earlier, you get a completely different sort of clientele, a different sort of people who are out on the night shift, which I would say consists of between 10 o'clock in the p.m. and 6 o'clock in the a.m. That's the typical, I guess, overnight night shift. I have worked that night shift before. It has been quite a while, but many years ago, uh, when I worked at Taco Bell, uh, when I guess I was, uh, I guess I was still in college at this point, our Taco Bell decided to do an experiment, and that they would go to 24 hours a day. And this is about the same time that we experimented with breakfast. And this is 19, I can't remember if it was 1992 or 1993, but we did have the Taco Bell breakfast back then. And the Taco Bell breakfast at the time did not consist of anything. Uh, really Taco Bell uh, menu-wise. It consisted of cinnamon rolls and orange juice, and I think we sold soft tacos, a limited menu of what we sold the rest of the day. There was no eggs, there was no sausage, there was nothing really uh, breakfast unique back then, and we would get a start on uh, getting stuff together probably by 3 or 4 in the morning on our overnight shift. And it's during that overnight shift that uh, a lot of the weirdos would be out. Uh, one that I have talked about in the past on drive through Diaries a long time ago is this uh, this Jeep that had pulled up. This guy had ordered, and he was very... Uh, he was baked, apparently. He was just baked. And he was very slow in how he talked and how he asked for stuff. And I handed him food. You know, I was used to this. I was very used to these things happening late at night. And then uh, when we got done, you... Um, you would lock the window back, and you'd go off and do whatever prep or cleaning you were doing. And that was that. You assumed that they left. There was no, um, I guess we didn't have the infrared technology that let you know somebody was still sitting at the window. And this is probably 2 o'clock in the morning. And about 30 minutes later, for some reason, because uh, it would beep if somebody pulled up to the speaker, so you'd know if you had an order. You rarely had an order. This, this experiment did not last longer than about a month and a half before... Taco Bell realized they were just wasting money. Um, 
I looked over at the window as I was walking by, and I caught a glimpse of what looked like somebody sitting in the window. And this is this is over half an hour after I had said, oh, thank you, have a nice night. So, um, finally I stop and I look, and it's the guy. The Jeep is still sitting there. He's still sitting there. The Jeep running, he's just sitting, he looks like he's in a coma. He's just sitting there looking straight ahead. So the other guy I was working with, I believe his name was Brian, he was in his uh, later 20s. I go and get him and I said, hey man, you know, this uh, this dude is still sitting at the window. I don't know if something's happened to him, I don't know if we need to call the police. And we kind of look at him and we're like, well, let's just open the window and ask him what's going on. I mean, I'm sure it's not, he's not going to rob us or anything, this is just something has just happened, maybe he fell asleep. So we open the window, I'm like, uh, hey, you know, what, what, what do you need? What do you need? And he just, uh, he slowly turns to me, like in the, like slow motion, like it being filmed in slow motion, and he goes, napkins, man. Napkins. You know, the odd thing was, is there were, there were napkins in the bag, but yet, <laughs> napkins, man. Napkins. Oh, my goodness. But uh, those are the things that happen on the night shift. You get, uh, you get the odd, odd people. Uh, it's, uh, you know, when I was in college, I would stay out really late at night quite a lot, and there was a 24-hour donut shop down the street uh, from the dorms that we would uh, often go to 1, 2, 3 in the morning. I think it was called Dixie Cream Donuts, and um, those people were working the night shift, and we were the weirdo clientele that they had to put up with. You know, you never think of that when you're out extremely late, and uh, rarely am I out extremely late. It's been a long time since I've been out in traffic and seen the flashing orange lights, or yellow lights. I'm sure that you get them up there also when the uh, traffic pattern is turned off and most of the lights are just in the flashing mode so traffic can keep moving forward. That is a pretty rare event. I can't remember uh, the last time I was out at around 4 o'clock in the morning. It was probably uh, when I was taking somebody to the airport. That, that would be my guess. And maybe it was a little later even than this. So this is quite rare. Now, when I worked at the grocery store, uh, there was an overnight shift also, but I never, I never worked because I was not uh, stocking. I was a, um, I was a bagger. I was what is known as a courtesy clerk. So the latest I would work there was probably, I think I worked as late as 11, 11:30 at night, and uh, that was about it. You, you didn't want to be out in the parking lot super late, and, and that was probably only on weekends. You know, we were probably busy up to about 11 o'clock, and we would. We would provide that service probably till about 11 o'clock, and then that would be that. So out here right now at 4:05 a.m., I'm on I-40 heading towards uh, Nashville, but I'm about to get off and go uh, to the south. Uh, there are a few cars out, uh, mostly semi trucks, but I am passing some vehicles that are heading eastbound. You, you wonder where these people are going. Are they going to work at 4 o'clock in the morning? It's possible, I guess. Uh, you know, I would think that the night shift is in place, and the day shift would probably start at 6, 7 o'clock in a warehouse environment, you know, in these, uh, in jobs where there are typically shifts still. You know, the concept of shifts has really kind of gone away since most jobs are these salaried, uh, you know, you're there most of the daylight hours sort of jobs. You don't really hear a lot about first shift, second shift, and graveyard shift anymore. Now, my mother worked graveyard shift, is what she called it, which is the late night third shift, uh, for a while, 
at DuPont Chemical. And she was a computer operator, but they had stuff going uh, 24 hours a day. And this is in the late 60s, I guess. Before, it's before 1973. So, um, I guess because, you know, you are, it, it was a plant and things were being processed. I guess they had to have a computer uh, operation going 24-7. Now, when I've been out and about traveling, there have been times I have worked in a location until midnight if they did a late shift, and then came back in at 6 a.m. and worked with the morning crew, which leads for a very short uh, sleep, because it's also very hard to fall asleep in a hotel for me. Last night it was hard to fall asleep. I don't think I, I guess I went to sleep about 10.30, and then I woke up at 2.59 a.m. My clock was set for 3 a.m., I woke up at 2.59 a.m. and turned off the alarm and got up. I don't know if, if I just had it on my mind, you know, the, uh, maybe it was the dread. <laughs> maybe the dread uh, sort of overwhelmed my body clock, and that got me going. Now, this stretch of road here, this is uh, Interstate 840, uh, heading uh, south towards where I need to go. And I see one semi-truck ahead of me. This is more of a rural, which is a very tough word, interstate. Sort of a bypass around the greater Nashville area. This is a far bypass. This, this takes you way outside of um, having to get into Nashville traffic. So there's not much going on out here. And it's so dark, in fact, that you can sort of see um, the beginnings of dawn on the horizon, even here at 4 o'clock, because at 5 o'clock, the sun will already be coming up. Uh, because this is the longest day of the year, the first day of summer. So you're starting to see a little bit of the glow of the sun uh, past the horizon. A little, a little twilight, I guess you would uh, you would call it. Well, here's another car coming this way. And, oh, there's another car. So there's a few people out. I, I'm, it, the people who are out every morning at this time, I, I don't know how they do it. Uh, you know, there was a time I would get up and I would drive down and be at the building at 5.30 every day. This is many, many years ago when I was in a different role. And you were part of that early morning crew that uh, would beat traffic, but it was definitely not the night shift. Now, the night shift uh, has been popularized, uh, of course, the movie no, the Night Shift, which uh, has Michael Keaton and Henry Winkler, the Fonz, and they are working at a morgue and they are running a, a prostitution ring out of said morgue on the night shift. So they have a little bit of dual, uh, dual roles happening there. It's an interesting movie if you've never seen it. It's a, I think Ron Howard directed it. Shelley Long from Cheers is uh, in Night Shift. Henry Winkler uh, plays it very straight. He's nothing like the Fonz. And Michael Keaton, I believe that's one of his earliest... Uh, film roles, if not his earliest. Somebody's actually passing me out here. Let's, uh, let's see who this is. Heading out is a big truck. It's a big truck with four doors, also from my county. I would assume it's somebody going to work. You know, you always hope it's not people like going to a family emergencies or weird stuff like that. Now, I know there's one thing that I forgot about. And that is uh, people who leave uh, really early in the morning to go on trips. I have never been one to, to do that. It's not something that I I like because I don't want to get like to noon or one o'clock and get so tired that I don't feel like 
driving anymore. So I try never to uh, to leave at 3, 4 in the morning to drive to like Florida or something like that. Uh, but my parents all, always did it. We would, we would leave sometimes at 2 in the morning to head to uh, Orlando or, uh, well, one time we drove to uh, the Grand Canyon. So we left, I mean, I can remember, and it was very odd because those were the mornings that you really got up early, and those were the only mornings you really got up early. And it was always a weird to get up that early and associate uh, getting up early with going long distances. But that is, uh, at least in my early childhood, that was the only time I ever got up uh, that early. And it would look a lot like it looks right now. And you would be out, and then you'd watch the sun rise. I'm a very bad car sleeper. I, I have a very hard time falling asleep in a car or in a bus or... Uh, on an airplane. So I typically sit there and watch the whole trip. There were uh, times now when we would uh, we would travel. I guess this would probably be the end of this. I can't see the recorder because I am actually driving and it's complete pitch black darkness. Uh, but my uh, youngest is heading to Florida on a school trip uh, this weekend and they leave at 8.30 well, they gather at the school at 8.30 p.m. and they leave about 9 p.m. and they drive overnight. Um, and that is what we did on a lot of school trips also. And I would uh, get to the point where I could not sleep, and I would walk up to the front of the bus and sit and talk to the bus driver on the uh, step. <laughs> they probably would not uh, encourage that anymore, but I can recall several times just going up front and talking to the driver and everybody else on the bus being asleep. It, it was just nuts. Uh, and you just watch the overnight, just like now. You just watch the sky and the uh, shadows of the trees against whatever light that you have. It reminds me of a time when I really loved uh, being on the road. I really loved driving. That this uh, the, the road was this just this open. Any you know, any destination is possible. However far you can or are willing to go. And I just don't, you know, I don't, I just don't have that uh, in me anymore, these long, um, long drives. I don't have the energy for it anymore. The, um, it, it just wears me out driving. I guess maybe that is a, a younger person's uh, domain. I'm not sure. Or maybe it's just me. Maybe something just uh, changed or the... The act is no longer as uh, fun. Maybe I've seen enough of the country to where I just uh, have no need to keep exploring right now. I, I'm not sure what to explore. And I sure don't miss working the overnight shifts. Uh, there's something to be said for working your 6 to 4 or 5.30 to 4 as I typically do now, and not working Saturdays and Sundays, and being in that sort of uh, repetitive groove, and uh, your schedule never changing. There's something to be said for, um, I don't know, a set schedule, and for not being out in the middle of the night, and not having to deal with weirdos like I was at the donut shop, are weirdos like the guy in the Jeep who needed his napkins. There's something, uh, this, I, I think it just as you get older maybe, you just have less, 
it's just less, uh, I don't know if it's less energy for that or if you just feel like, wow, I'm glad I don't have to do that anymore. It's, it's a relief to sleep through the night and not be at the donut shop at one o'clock in the morning. Okay, so I'm a little tired. I think I think I might have drifted a little bit here in trying to uh, speak to you. I, I really wanted you to accompany me on more of the trip here to kind of keep me focused on the road and what I needed to do. So uh, I'm going to end this one right here. Your uh, ideas on the night shift, I'm sure, will be more, uh, they're more current, more recent, so you'll have more things to say about it and different things to say about it. So as always, very good to talk to you here on the Garbage Cast Conversation. We'll talk to you again really soon.
All right. Check, check. One, two, one, two. Oof. That is too much. Check, check. One, two, one, two. Microphone check. One, two, one, two. <clears throat> All right. Welcome to the Garbage Cast. Jason, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to talk about cameras. So let me talk about my camera history. Well, to be honest, I never really had the photography bug. Um, I have two older brothers. Um, both of them dabbled in the photographic arts. Uh, the eldest more so because he's an artist. Uh, and he's also multi-talented at everything, so... He, he's very good at self-teaching himself. Self-teaching. That's dumb. You know what I mean. Um, he's one of those people who can kind of just learn without having to be taught something. Anyways. So, he's really deep into ISO settings and apertures and I don't know. None of that stuff excites me. I've taken camera cl classes. I know the basics about composition. and Well, I did know. I don't know about, about if I knew. If I still continue to know. There we go. Um, but, you know, I, I've always been of the philosophy of just trying to capture, you know, good moments, or at least, I'm not looking to set the art world ablaze with my photography skills. I'm just looking to uh, capture a moment in time. Um, crap. Sorry, my headphones are actually hitting my pop screen because I have an overhead set up. That allows me, someone who's taller, uh, not that much, um, the ability to talk up and keep it upright and was part of my radio training. Um, but mm, it's also very space efficient. Uh, but as I was saying, yeah, my, I've never really unless I've had to, wanted to learn much about photography. I've had cameras. Uh, I've had some like film cameras and I have more cameras than I have here um, for the audio um, quality aspect of this. And I have developed, I guess I have this camera collection really, despite not liking photography which is weird. So, let's see. My first camera was a Canon PowerShot. It was a film camera. Uh, I took it to Quebec and I destroyed it with water. I did not know that was an issue. It was very expensive. Um, I, again, like I, t I had no idea how cameras worked. Um, and I guess we went to a waterfall and like it wasn't that I wet it or dropped it. 
it was like osmosis water from from me because we got like soaked. Um, I didn't think that would ruin the damn thing, uh, but yeah, and and the the film was just gone or destroyed or something. So that was it's positively useless. And then I I had um, a Minolta that. Um, a pop-up flash, a little point-and-shoot camera that I used for quite a long time. I, I by then knew how to take care of one, uh, so I, I had like a remote and everything. I got it as a gift. It just wasn't. It was still bulky. It was one of those like it was the size of a phone, maybe, but much heavier and thicker. So um, it wasn't really practical. I wanted something that could just you know, put in a bag and carry around and be like tiny but take really good idiot-proof shots. Clearly this was not the camera, um, so I, I, I gave it away. The next camera I actually have here in one of these Pelican cases because I learned my lesson from that power shot. It was my first digital camera. Oh, God damn it! I keep forgetting about that. I gotta do this. There we go. That hopefully, well, I gotta, like, keep these headphones. I gotta get rid of these headphones. They, they, they're killing me. They're killing me. Um, it's a Panasonic. It's a Lumix. You know what? I was gonna actually delete those noises, but I need to learn my lesson, and I, I'm sorry, but I'm just going to keep it in there. Um, I don't really record much from the home studio these days, so I don't really deal with this problem all that much. And having these headphones like this, they're falling apart in all manners of ways. Um, they're these AKGs. What are they? K99 headphones I bought from like Long McQuaid when I first started podcasting. The cord is shot. The band is shot. It just doesn't really do much. But we'll try to make way. So let's talk about the Lumix. So, it's a Panasonic. This is really impossible. God damn it. Fuck it. I'm taking the headphones off. Now, apparently I'm hungry. So, it's a Panasonic Lumix. We've already established that. It's four megapixels. It's a tiny, tiny camera. And the reason why I loved it is because of how small it was. It literally is like the size of a deck of cards. So it was really tiny. You could put it in a bag. With the Pelican case, you could just throw it in anywhere. Um, you know, not the most advanced camera, built-in zoom. It had really good glass. Um, they had this when they were had a Panasonic was doing a deal with Leica to do their cameras. Um, it has digital image stabilization. It was just like the perfect little point-and-shoot camera. I loved it for many years. 
although four megapixels, not super advanced, so I eventually got rid of it. And then, let's put that away. I think my mother still uses it. I got the next camera. This is the thing about these show and tell segments. Sometimes I bump into them fucking. The next camera I have is older than all the other cameras. It's a Leica M3 copy from Russia. It is the Fed 2. I think it was built in 1950, 1955. Uh, hold on, let me pull up Wikipedia. Boom. Camerapedia. All right, here we go. Shut up, despicable. Fuck off. Ads. Okay, so 1955, I was correct. All the way up to 1970 with about a million six hundred thousand one six three two six zero zero units. Okay. Math, place value, numbers. That ain't my game. Um it's a rangefinder. It iterated off of the Fed one. It's a really beautiful-looking Soviet-era camera. Um, I really thought I could be one of those artsy, lamography camera people. Um, so when I bought this off the site, I was like, I was going to take all these pictures, and I was going to, like, you know, get these lenses and that lenses. I didn't realize that this thing really didn't, have that many lenses. Um, I couldn't understand the manual. It is literally one page long. Um, the film you have to wind manually in the dark back into this like spool to have it developed or you expose everything. Um, and it has like a, a guide that you wrap it around so you have to take it apart and Rapid. It's not something that's very intuitive for me with my lack of fine motor skills. Um, so, guess what? I didn't really use it that much. It's really pretty to look at, but not really practical to use. So then, since then, since university, uh, which is when I got that one, uh, and the, the, Sony, uh, the Panasonic, I didn't really use cameras. I wasn't quite impressed with the quality, you know. Yes, you can carry it, but it's not really... I have a phone. I can take shitty phone pictures if I wanted to. So I really wasn't, you know, carrying the camera all that much. So I just gave it away. The, the Fed 2 I, I keep just to look at. So, funny enough that now I have to have a camera. Because we're doing the website and we're doing um, 
we're doing uh, product shots, so I have my new camera. A camera I actually really love. A camera I think is the most coolest thing in the world. Um, and I bought it for work, so it's not technically mine. But I, I wish it was. It's my Sony A5000. It's a little tiny, not a full frame SLR, it's a crop sensor. But it's the size of a point and shoot camera. It is capable of uh, fairly replicating the quality of a full size DSLR. You know, I use a lot of auto modes. I, I've taken some pretty spectacular shots of, of Tilly. But I, I have um, I have a macro lens. And now I have this power zoom I want to bring to uh, Hamilton. Sorry, dog. But not sorry. I'm going to take some shots. Now you look like a demon dog with your glowing eyes. I haven't really gotten a chance to play with the zoom lens, but it's like a what? It's a 210. It has optical stabilization. Um, it's just a crazy good zoom lens. It's got, yeah, it's got optical steady shot. It's a Sony lens. It's an E-mount. I believe it is... The 55 to 210. Um, it does super close up stuff. It's got one of those viewfinder LCDs so you can Ooh, super blurry. So there we go.
that's the bear. I'm taking constantly shots of the dog to try and figure out how to do what I want to do with the lenses. Ah, oh, it's too blurry. Rats. I have a little tripod. I have a big tripod. I just can't recognize your face, Till. Yep, so extreme close-ups and low light is not this thing's specialty, which is what I, I, I've done tons of research into checking this stuff out. It's just, you know, no matter what you do, you're going to always have some, some sort of problems. Mine is, is the fact that it's a tiny baby SLR. It's not even a full SLR. So, um, lenses. And with the big zoom lenses, like, lenses are, are hard to come by. And with the big zoom lenses, you don't get really good low light. Or, like, face recognition sometimes with my camera. Um, I've been going back and forth with the telephoto in this one, and I feel like this is the the best one to buy. Uh, I wonder if I can adjust this. Oh yeah, you can. Oh, crap. I'm still sucky in learning this stuff. So that's how you adjust that. Okay, I'm dumb. I didn't know you turned this. So this is like for like wide angle and this is for telephoto. I always assumed this was the zoom. As I said, not the best photographer. I assumed it was just like automatic. I'm learning new things every day. Every day. Um... I don't know. I did a lot of research into the cameras. I wanted something that was small, but it could still do the job for website photos at work. And yes, the 5100, far superior camera. 
than mine. The 5,000, but mine's cheaper. Although it went down even cheaper after I bought it. But. Um, it's also slightly bigger. I don't want anything bigger. This is like the smallest I can go, and that's why I love it. Um, it's like the body is handheld. It, it's tiny, but you can fit these big fucking beefy lenses on them. And yes, it's only the E-mount stuff, but it does like a full, it can do the equivalent of a, of a 50 millimeter with its little 35 millimeter crop sensor. real. Sharpen, 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 sharpen. Whoa. I don't know. I'm, I'm in love with this camera. Every shot, every proper non-jittery shot looks stunning on this thing. And that's all I can ask for. Between the two lenses, I think I got it covered. Um, I also have a macro lens. I just need like another battery. Um, the macro lens is for work. Sorry, the macro lens is for business. The power zoom is for pleasure. That's what she said. Um, so, <sighs> that's cameras. I, I didn't want to buy a, a DSLR. I'm not ready for that. I want something dummy-proof. And then a semi-pro is exactly that. So, I keep that in my little bag that my girlfriend bought me accidentally because I... We share an Amazon account and I use the wrong payment details. I don't think I'll bring that to MMPR. It's just too tiny. It's a little Manfrotto. Part of the takeaway from working uh, PSAV was that stupid Manfrotto, Manfrotto, Manfrotto. They refer to those light stands as Manfrottos, but it's also a manufacturer of items. They now make cheaper consumer-grade stuff, so now I can actually afford Manfrotto's lifestyle goods, like my little bag, or my awesome little Evo 2 mini tripod. It is so cool. It extends, like the feet extend, and the top is a ball joint, and you turn the stupid logo to activate it, tighten it, and loosen it. I can't wait to use it. Um, I need like a leash. 
and then I think I'm all set. I think I have the perfect little camera collection between the, the macro lens. It's a 35 millimeter. So when you multiply it, the crop sensor, it works like a 50, 45. It's close enough to 50, which is what I need for the, what I need to do for work. And then it comes with a kit lens that isn't that great, but you know, if you light it and use the auto mode, it's pretty dummy proof. Um, and then my new power zoom, I am covered with lenses, but I have that, I carry that, my little tripod, the shotgun mic, and the H5 all together in this little bag, and it's just a little too small now to really put everything, and I, I carry two bags, really, because I don't put that stuff in my other bag, I don't want it to, to getting dirty, even though I have full coverage on it on the camera body. That macro lens is from Best Buy, so you get no coverage, and the new power zoom is full coverage from Amazon, so I think I'm gonna try and hold on to it. I am, I, I didn't think I would become camera obsessed, but I, it's just such a little wonderful tiny camera, and I take I don't think I've, I can take really bad photos with this thing. I put one of them up as my new Twitter image of Tilly. And the tree has like this depth of field defocus and I love it. Um, it's just this nighting day from an iPhone. And it makes me feel good to be able to take just really good looking photos. I don't take anything really more of than Tilly in the weather and but I can take some stuff that looks really good as iPhone landscape background stuff. Okay, yeah, some of them aren't lit the best, but you know, it's a tiny little pop-up flash. What do you want? but they look so detailed still. And then, you know, I, I've been trying to catch Tilly um, rolling when she goes to play outside. It just hasn't happened. It's impossible. I caught her the once and that was it. It was more like her slowly playing like roll in the grass. It was just like side to side, halfway. And I'm, I've been to the, the Kennedy Valley. I've taken stuff. Shopeco Creek. I want to get down to all the, the different places, the trails in Brampton, take some shots. And other places, there is some breathtaking, like, pastoral farms out in Halton Hills. I want to take photos of that. Um, terracotta. Georgetown, because I'm there, it's easy to get to. And it's summertime, and it's an excuse to get outside, and, you know, I'm not gonna get, like, super into photography. Um, like, John Meadows, this is more for fun, 
I'm going to do the work stuff because I have to. Um, so I'll learn as much as I need to to do that there. Not so much because I want to be Ansel Adams. But I'm, you know, I'm really happy with what has come out of it. And this has been a really long, meandering clip about cameras. I don't know what you're going to do with this. Um, like I said, this is cameras. I'll, um... I guess I'll have to figure out how I'm going to get this to you. Um, so if you want to do this one, let me know. I'm going to tell you the next subject right now. I think, what else can I do? Just to give you three fair options. We've got night shifts, we've got cameras. It has to be something that we haven't done before. I think the last obvious subject is books. Now, full disclosure, if you go into books, you're going to get a lot of nothing because I have a shitty book history. You think my musical taste is bad? Wait till you see what I consider books. Pro tip, um, I thought menus were, were, were great reads. I could read more difficult things, more challenging things, but I didn't want to. Um, so there's that. And because of the, the theme is choose your own adventure, I'm going to talk about choose your own adventure. I love those things. So that's the next subject. Um, this has been Cameras. I've been your host, MMD. Another one's in the can. Dump it. I could tell that they love my style. In the club, we always bring a crowd. Leave your girl, she might be a while I can see you in the corner staring, motherfucker yeah. You should take a photo, photo. oh no, oh no I'm about to go, yo Shorty drop below to pick it up, she like a yo-yo When I'm getting so much action, I should be sponsored by GoPro Back with a little more Hennessy inside of my red solo And I'm that crazy, man, I'm back Baby, everybody in the club say this track Wavy, I get stacks daily, man, these G's don't phase me I was about to catch a body, but the DJ saved me, man I could tell that they love my style, okay, okay In the club, we always bring a crowd, okay, okay Leave your girl, she might be a while. Okay, okay. I can see you in the corner staring, motherfucker. You should take a photo. Take a photo, 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 photo. I swear it'll last longer if you take a photo. Take a photo, 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 photo. I swear it'll last longer if you take a photo. Oh no, oh no. Me ain't got no ego, but someone always taking flicks and shit wherever we go. We these motherfucking cameras on me like I'm dying Cheeto. Limo full of. White girls, I call that shit a kilo They A-class with them B-cups And all they carry is C-notes That model type did make a fake Nigga wanna be me, I'm ego So welcome out to my town You can swim and you can get drowned Shit, I'm steady walking on clouds You should take a picture right now I can tell that they love my style Okay, okay 
In the club, we always bring a crowd. Okay, okay. Leave your girl, she might be a wild. Okay, okay. I can see you in the corner staring, motherfucker. You should take a photo. Take a photo, 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 photo. I swear it'll last longer if you take a photo. Take a photo, 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 photo. I swear it'll last longer if you take a photo. Let me show them how to get it. I'm gone for a minute, but I'm back with a little bit of rap and a little more bass inside of that Cadillac. That shit slapped like a crazy ex in the middle of the club, but she hates your guts, but she wants you back. Damn, you wildin', baby girl, but shit, you fine. You can sit on my lap, okay? Now I'm driving with. Girl in my lap and I'm swerving, swerving all over the map And I'm turning heads everywhere I go Like Tracy Morgan in a Walmart hat Too soon, too soon I know But I crashed the whip so with a golf cart at Cause if I'm not the greatest Then I'm somewhere in a ballpark Man, let's go tell that they love my style Okay, okay In the club we always bring a crowd Okay, okay Leave your girl, she might be a while Okay, okay I can see you in the corner staring, motherfucker. You should take a photo. Take a photo, 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 photo. I swear it'll last longer if you take a photo. Take a photo, 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 photo. I can tell that they love my style. Okay, okay. In the club we always bring a crowd. Okay, okay. Leave your girl, she might be a while. Okay, okay. I can see you in the corner staring, motherfucker. You should take a photo. Take a photo, 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 photo. I swear it'll last longer if you take a photo. Take a photo, 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 photo. I swear it'll last longer if you take a photo. Greetings, MMD. This is Jason with another Garbage Cast conversation coming to you from the deck. The last day of June. Not sure when you're going to put these out, but I'll go ahead and tell you that I'm recording on the last day of June 2017. It's a beautiful morning about uh, 9.41 a.m. Central Time. Uh, it's cloudy, though. There's no uh, no sun right now. It's been raining. But my uh, chair on the deck dried off just enough for me to come out and sit down in between rain showers and record this special segment talking about cameras. And for those of you who are not in the loop, uh, MMD sent me the topic first this time and sent me the file first. So I am actually responding to him instead of the other way around as we have typically done these. And I want to thank him for doing this because I really hit a uh, <laughs> hit this wall of topics where I could not think of what in the world else to talk about. And so I threw it back to him and I said, can you provide like maybe the next, I don't know, six months of topics and maybe we can <laughs> keep doing this because I am just hitting a brain fart here and uh, my, my train of thought has derailed. And uh, what a great topic. And why had this not come up before? I have absolutely no idea because this is a fantastic topic that we both seem to have quite a bit in common with, uh, in common on. But... It's a different version of cameras for me because, as I mentioned to him on Twitter earlier, for me, it's like podcasting. It's cameras on the cheap. That's right, cameras on the cheap. Podcasting on the cheap, cameras on the cheap. I, I listened to uh, MMD talk about his uh, camera and his experience uh, with uh, cameras and photography. And my experience, though long and it's been beneficial to me, has always been on the cheap. So let me go back to some of my most memorable cameras for you. And in fact, the first really memorable camera I had probably predates MMD. <laughs> it, is a, uh, it was a Polaroid instant uh, camera. It was actually my mother's camera that she used for different things. Uh, but I was able to pick it up and use it quite a bit. And I still have a lot of Polaroids uh, from... 
I guess it would be the very early 80s that uh, different, uh, I have some of my uh, great-grandmother that I took, I have some of my bedroom at the time, and like, uh, I mean, we're talking, uh, I guess, third and fourth grade in uh, elementary school, so you have these uh, frozen snapshots of my, uh, of my room and different things around the house uh, in Polaroids. I believe I may have even scanned some of them at different points. I, um, a while back when I was on Tumblr, I scanned a lot of pictures in the Tumblr, and every, every night a new old picture would pop up. This is an experiment from a, a long time ago. Now, those Tumblrs are gone. I left Tumblr a while back. As I just, there was no bang for your buck. Uh, but I saved a lot of those into my Google Drive, my Google Photos, and, um, it's just, it was interesting to scan in different things and to write about them, talk about them. In fact, I've shared old scanned pictures when I was blogging and stuff uh, because it's just so, um, well, they're so dated. You know, it's such a weird, when you look at old camera photography, uh, and I'm not talking like super old, even though I have some really old photographs of my uh, great-grandmother when she was young, and, and we're talking like in the 19, I'd say probably the oldest picture I have is from the late 1920s. I have a lot of pictures from the 30s and 40s, uh, but I'm talking about pictures even from the uh, early 80s and the late 80s into the 90s look dated now. When you uh, scan them, when you're holding them in your hand, it, it doesn't seem as, um, it's not as surprising as when you scan it and you compare it to other digital pictures today. You can really see the difference. Um, so let me go back into the history again. The Polaroid camera, that was probably the first real early experience I had taking pictures. Oddly enough, in our house, we never had a 35mm camera. We never I, never had one. Uh, it was always a variety of weird formats. <laughs> so we went from Polaroid to this horrifying uh, format called the Kodak Disc. Oh, the Kodak Disc was... Um, it was a very interesting camera, and of course the film was like those old, um, what do you call it, those uh, little, I don't, I don't remember what you call it, where you would, uh, you would, you would load the uh, disc into the little uh, thing, and you would hit the trigger, and a different picture would keep taking when you were a little kid. I can, I can see it now, it's red, it looks like you're looking into binoculars, but you're looking at that disc. Man, I'm having a terrible brain fart over that. Everybody's probably yelling into the uh, speakers, it's called this. Jason, how come you can't think of that? Well, I can't think of it because I, it's been 35 years since I had one, and I, I, you do still see them from time to time. And they were kind of a novelty item, I think, even back then. They were a lot more popular, but they were still an odd thing to have. And I think, like, Cracker Barrel and different places still sell them as little novelty gadgets. But the, the Kodak disc was the same sort of concept. It was like a little carousel wheel of film, and you would drop it into the disc camera, and I believe there were, like, multiple settings on the uh, picture. You could, like, have different, like, uh, I, I don't know how, I can't remember exactly how it worked. Uh, but a lot of our pictures from the, I want to say the early to mid-80s were on these discs. And I still have a bunch of these discs where they were developed and my mother saved all the discs. And they're, uh, you know, you can't get them developed anymore, I don't think. And if you did, I guess it would be super expensive. Uh, maybe there's somebody that can still develop a disc. I seriously doubt it. And I found out the disc was doomed, and I think I've mentioned it before, because we went to Canada in 1989, May of 1989, uh, as a high school trip. We went up to Toronto, and we went to, uh, we went to Canada's Wonderland, we went to Niagara Falls, uh, we went downtown Canada, went to uh, Eaton Center, we went to the Hard Rock Cafe, 
Mr. Green Jean's restaurant was in Eaton Center, and I took the disc camera with me. And I only took the film that was in the disc camera. I, I might have taken one extra disc with me, I'm not sure, and I thought, well, no big deal, I'll just buy more film up in Canada. <laughs> that was not to be, because the disc camera was already discontinued in Canada, did not realize that. They still had it in the States, but I don't think you could use it up there at all. I don't even think you could still get it developed up there. So I started going to these shops. I think I went to like a camera shop in Eaton Center first, and I was like, hey, I need to get some disc film. They looked at me like I was insane. Oh, we don't, we don't sell disc film. It's discontinued. So I was only able to take pictures from, like, the first part of the trip. So the second part of the trip, Niagara Falls, I have no pictures of at all. And I even went to a film store in Niagara Falls trying to get disc film. Nope, nope, nope. They basically laughed me out of the country. And, you know, that was the olden days. We didn't have to have a passport to go back and forth across the border. Pretty exciting times. So that was the end of the disc camera for me. So when I got back home, I bought a 110 camera. Now, this is the crappiest camera you can possibly buy on the face of the earth. But I loved that little 110 camera. It, it, the little films that were in it had like two little wheels on each side of this long, I don't know how you would describe it, this almost little shaft in between the two wheels. And those wheels were turning the reel that is in the camera from one end of the film to the other end of the film. So as you took pictures, it would advance into the finished side. I can't remember how many pictures you got on it. Maybe 15 pictures? I'm not sure. But it was so cheap and inexpensive, I carried that camera with me everywhere through high school, even into college. So I have a bunch of pictures from high school and college where other people were not carrying cameras around all the time. This little, this little 110 camera, it took like two AA batteries. I always carried AA batteries with me, and I took a, a lot of pictures. So I had photo albums filled with pictures from high school and college of just different things. Uh, really, it was a lot of the end of high school and the start of college when I really took a lot of pictures. So I have some pretty well-documented, um, you know, years there where a lot of people I don't think were taking pictures. So I've tried to share them on, um, like, the alumni site for our high school band and stuff, some of the different pictures, and then the Western uh, Kentucky University band site, I tried to share some pictures because... You know, just a lot of people were not taking pictures back then. You weren't. You just didn't think about it. Like you do now, you have on-demand picture-taking. You can just take pictures all the time. So uh, I have a ton of pictures from uh, the late 80s through the early 90s. I even have pictures from junior high school. I believe I took the disc camera into a concert in ninth grade, and I took pictures from the stage during the concert. So I have pictures looking out from where I am sitting. I don't know how I did not get in trouble for that. Maybe I had the flash off. I don't know how I pulled that off, but I do have some weird uh, pictures like that. So I always really enjoyed the idea of capturing. I wish I had captured more, though. I mean, you, you always regret now because you can take pictures of everything, and it's almost to the point that it's overwhelming. I wish there was a happier balance. Um, so... I wish I had taken more in the 80s and 90s, and I wish I had taken less in the last few years, because now I have thousands of pictures. Uh, I, I sort my pictures by year as I download them from various devices, and I have tons and tons and tons to the point where it's just overwhelming. But let me get into that further here in a moment. So the next camera we had was, um, it was some sort of a, there was another Kodak brand that would take a panoramic shot. And a regular shot. I can't remember what this was called. It was a long, weird camera. It was a weird kind of film. It, I don't know if it was panorama as much as just a wide screen, sort of wide angle shot. It was very odd. I, I, like I said, I don't remember what it's called. I want to say it started with an EX or something. I, I really don't remember. 
And after my mother passed away, I found that camera in her stuff. Uh, you know, I threw it, I recycled it. Uh, but, because uh, you, you can't get, I don't believe you can get film for it anymore. There was no film in it. I didn't want to hold on to it for no absolute reason. But I have a ton of photos from that camera. I think from the late 90s to the early 1000s, she used that camera. So I have a bunch of these wide pictures in addition to the smaller format. So I believe there was a setting on the camera that lets you take a wide screen or a wide angle shot or something. It's very odd. Uh, so let me get into that. My mother took tons of pictures. So I have photo albums going back to when I was born. Shoe boxes filled with pictures. It's overwhelming, really. I have the top of a closet filled with photo albums and loose pictures that I have not even dealt with. You know, and she passed away last April, and I still have not been able to just deal with all of the overwhelming amount of pictures. I don't know what to do with them. I don't really have a place here for them. And here, I also have photo boxes full of pictures where we took pictures from the late 90s through really digital photography all the time of, you know, even early shots of our kids. When digital photography was just sort of getting started in the early 2000s, we were still taking a lot of film photography. And by that time, we had 35-millimeter cameras. We had Canons and all kinds of little quick-shot cameras, and we were taking a sizable amount of pictures. We've always been picture people. So what do we do with all of them? I've scanned pictures, but it would take forever to scan every single picture that we have. And the worst part, a lot of the photo albums from the early to mid-70s and 80s, the pictures are stuck in the photo albums. I've, I tried to take a few of the photo albums apart and just file the pictures by date in photo boxes, but they're so stuck to the pages that you just can't get them off. It's, it's just a shame. They're just sort of, they're frozen in time. You know, you either have to keep the photo album or you have to ruin the picture trying to get it out. I just haven't found a good solution for that, and, and really I haven't researched it. I'm sure someone on the Internet has a magic way of getting these photos out of these awful photo albums so I can at least sort them and organize them better and then determine, do I scan them all? Do I keep the physical media? Will my kids want these all these boxes of physical pictures when I'm gone? I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe they will, you know, you'll look through it and you go, oh, what a burden. Dad left me 20 boxes of pictures that I don't even know who half these people are. I don't even know who two-thirds of these people are. That's one reason I tried to share a lot of photos to Facebook and stuff, because I want people who might be randomly in these pictures to be able to see themselves or, or download them. But I, I stopped putting up pictures of specific people, because I felt it was a violation of their privacy. You know, maybe somebody I went to school with doesn't want their picture from 1988 posted. So I stopped doing that. I, I thought that was the respectful thing to do, uh, you know, and I don't know... I guess if someone reached out to me and said, hey, do you have a picture of me, I w you know, I'd probably share it with them. But like I said, the, photo the photos are so overwhelming right now, I've really backed off of all of them. And they're just sitting in boxes, unfortunately, uh, never being looked at, never being used. And, and really the thing to do would be to go through them and pick out the good things and, and throw out the stuff that you don't need. But, man, that's a whole new struggle, you know. Okay, so that's 13 minutes on film photography. So let me go into digital photography. I got my first camera probably around 2000, maybe 1999, digital. It was expensive as crap. I think it was called a Digimax. I think it was Samsung maybe. I, I cannot remember. It is long gone. It was probably like a megapixel camera. So I was an early adopter. I have some really old digital pictures. 
uh, still in my files from like I think 2000, 2001 maybe. And I've slowly progressed through digital cameras up to the point that I got an iPhone. Okay? Uh, so I, the more accessible to having a camera on my phone, the more pictures I took. So once you get up to 2003, 2004, I think I had a Palm or some sort of a Trio phone. So I have a lot of grainy digital photographs of different places I visited for work. Uh, and then it just accelerated, accelerated, accelerated to the point where I was started carrying digital cameras with me because they were outdoing the phone cameras. And then finally I got an, uh, far enough up in iPhones to where I never take my digital camera out with me at all anymore. And I can just take pictures all the time. And they're... They're decent pictures. They, they don't have to be fantastic. I mean, the camera you described is incredible. I don't, I don't, I just don't think to do anything near that. And I don't really, like, set up shots. I don't really, everything with me is spur of the moment. You know, I get my kids to pose. I share stuff to Facebook and I tag them so they have something to look back on when we go somewhere special. You know, a quick reference, I guess. In addition to the photos, I'm always backing up into Google Photos. Like I said, they're divided by year. You can search them by face. I know that's letting the big monolith of Google you know, like control my memories and stuff, but it's very convenient. And it's easy for all of us to share the photographs and pick out pictures and stuff. Plus, I have physical backups of the pictures. <laughs> so it, that, that backup is getting bigger and bigger and bigger to the point that it is overwhelming. And, and what are we really going to do with all these pictures in the end? You know, I, I, I think there's a point where memories are more important than having photographic snapshots of every little thing. You know, it's like the other night my daughter was leaving for Florida and she got back this morning. There were people, like, videotaping the bus driving off. There were people taking multiple pictures. I took three or four pictures to document her leaving. I didn't share them. They're going to get backed up. I'm sure she took pictures on her trip to back up and and whatever. But um, I'm getting to the point now where I realize it's more important to experience the moment than to have a phone in front of my face. And to experience the memory. And it's okay to not capture every little tiny thing. Because if I'm too busy capturing stuff, I'm going to miss it. And even if I have a photograph, what's the point if I missed it? So I'm, I've tried to realize that I can overwhelm myself with photographs and with media. And, and what good is that? So there's a balance, I guess, that has to be taken into consideration. A, a balance. You know, how do we... How do we capture special moments and not overwhelm ourselves by capturing everything? So if you, I guess it was last year I was in this outlet store and I came upon this Sony, uh, it's a DSCW800. And I haven't had a digital camera in a while. I'd, I'd just gotten rid of them because everything was on my iPhone and I felt there was really no point. And it was like 70 bucks. It's a 20 megapixel digital dedicated digital camera and I bought it to take pictures at concerts and stuff and I found that I still never really pull it out and use it and what kind of got me wanting another dedicated camera was listening to John Meadows my photography podcast MPP it made me interested made me think well maybe you know I do love taking pictures and maybe if it would be more valuable to have a dedicated camera at least to play with and not just use my phone all the time but I have found I never really think to take it out of the house. I never really think to even take it to special occasions. It basically just sits in a drawer, which is a shame. So, right now, 
I'm just a spur of the moment, spur of the moment pointer and shooter. <laughs> but is it really much different from when I took my i10 camera, my i10, my 110 camera with me everywhere back in the late 80s and early 90s, when I was really doing the same thing? I'm just doing it on a more grand scale. It's funny when I go back and look at my 110 camera pictures, and I see a lot of these impromptu moments with friends, and just different places we were, and it's special. And, you know, maybe from each place we went, there's five or ten pictures. But really, is that all you needed, you know? In a whole year, I couldn't even fill a whole photo album. But what I did take pictures of was, was meaningful. And, like I said, now I, I try to pick and choose the meaningful and try to cut out the rubbish. Because it's just so accessible. You can, and it's so, and it's cheap. You're not paying, you know, back then you had to pay for every picture you developed. And there, you had, there had to be a little buy-in, you know. And now you can just overwhelm yourself and your family and people who follow you on the Internet if you're posting all kinds of stuff. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting. It's, uh, it's very interesting. Uh, one of my favorite pictures I got, though, is from, uh, well, I have, I, I have pictures of, of different people that we've lost over the years that I look back on, and I wish I had better pictures of them that I had personally taken. But I, but I look back, and when I see some of these pictures, one is a very overexposed picture of a friend of mine that's been gone for a long time. And she did not want her picture taken, but she did stop and pose just for me. <laughs> I don't know why what made her do that. I guess it was, it was a pity pose. I don't, I don't know, but the picture came out overexposed. But I still remember her sitting there. I still remember that day. It's 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 special, even if the picture did not turn out perfectly. It's still one of my favorite pictures of her because it captures this natural. Uh, I, I don't know. It captures, I guess, who we were at that time and. You know, even if she didn't like getting her picture taken, she still stopped and did it for me, and I think it's special in that way. So I'll always have that nice memory recorded. And there's another picture of me and one of my good friends. We had gone to a place here that was called Opryland. It's gone now. But we were on our way in, and we got to this crosswalk. And this guy is in, you know, he's just in terrible, like, early 90s clothes with these shorts. And for some reason, we took his picture out the window of the car. <laughs> And it's just this weird candid shot of this guy walking across the street. But uh, that's the it, it reminds me of the fun and the funniness of that day. Even that, it was that day almost 26, 27 years ago. So it's amazing what we capture when we, when we capture things in, in photographs. I guess at the end of it all, though, it's the balance. Where do we find the balance? So, so there you go. 21 minutes of me going on and on about photography and cameras. Uh, but uh, cameras are special, and uh, I'm glad you chose this subject. It's a, it's a very good subject, and uh, I enjoyed hearing what you had to say about it before I had to come out here and say something about it. It's very nice. So uh, appreciate it. I'm sure we will talk again very soon. Shout out to everyone that listens to us out there. Um, we never really talk about how to contact us, but you can you can find us at uh, MMD on Twitter and at Up in This Brain on Twitter. If you enjoy these or you have complaints, um, if you enjoy these, tweet us. If you have complaints, just throw it in the trash. MMD, I'm back. I have I have one thing I need to add here at the end of cameras. So I went back looking for the picture of uh, the guy walking across the street from like the early 90s near Opryland that I mentioned in the main clip. Could not find it anywhere. I'm not sure what happened to it. So that is when I remembered that I have two pictures that are two of my favorite pictures of all time. I did not take them. 
sometime in the mid-90s, maybe, well, it was, I guess it was about 97, 1997, maybe 1998, I was in the library in my hometown, and I walk in, and they're having this gigantic sale. The local newspaper had just closed, and they were selling all the pictures that they had taken over the years from their archives for a penny apiece. Uh, and you could max out to a certain, you know, you get as many pictures as you want really, really cheap. And I started going through pictures, and I found pictures from when I was in high school, different people I went to high school with. I didn't find anything of myself, but it was all divided by year. And then I came upon these two pictures I'm going to send you scans of, so you can attach them to this file or to the website if you would like. I did not take this, of course. The newspaper took it. I don't know why they have it. All it says on the back in grease pencil is Mike Nelson. I looked for him on Facebook. I never could find out who he was. Now, even back in the 90s, I think I looked him up in the phone book. Never could figure out who he was. Uh, Nike is apparently at a party. Something incredibly funny is being said. I would say it's his party, maybe his 40th, because there's black balloons. He is probably the, uh, he's probably the subject of honor in these photographs. And he looks like one of the funniest, most interesting people on earth. <laughs> so, of course, I bought these pictures of this perfect stranger, Mike Nelson, and I have saved them all of these years. I, I, they look like they were taken probably in the mid to late 80s. I would say maybe 88, 89 is when they were taken. But like I said, all it says on the back is Mike Nelson, and it says 142%. There's a star on one of them. So that must be the one they put in the paper. And it's the one where he's really leaned forward laughing. He's, he's closer to the camera in the one they must have put in the paper. And it says 10-B, which I guess means it was on page 10, section B or something like that. Or section B, page 10, I'm not sure. But uh, I have saved these all these years. I've, sometimes I've used them as profile pictures in different places. I have not used them online in a long time. But I'm sending them along for your photographic enjoyment. Talk to you again later. <laughs>
Yeah. 